Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about cutting the clutter and joining us, we've got one of our resident favourites, Mr. Tony DeBell. Welcome, Tony. Thank you. I feel like you needed a drum roll. You're back. So, cutting the clutter, what does that actually mean? Cutting the clutter is an expression that originated in the UK, and it's a reference to focusing on the content of financial statements, maybe eliminating what is irrelevant or immaterial to allow users to focus on the information that is important to the financial statements. And I've heard that described as disclosure problem, disclosure overload. What is the overload? What is the issue it causes? So they're all descriptions of the same thing. Whether you say there's too much clutter in financial statements, whether you say there's disclosure overload or there's too much disclosure, it's all really saying the same thing. And I think the IASB has articulated it clearly in its Principles of Disclosure discussion paper that was issued earlier on this year, where the ISB has said it perceives the problem to be too much irrelevant information and perhaps not enough relevant information in financial statements. And so I definitely see a trend that it feels like financial statements are getting much longer. Why is that? With every new standard, there's a new list of disclosures. Very rarely does the ISB go back and revisit a previous standard and consider whether all of the disclosures that were previously listed remain relevant. And therefore, each time there is a new standard with some extra disclosures, the financial statements tend to get a little bit longer. So, yes, there is an issue that financial statements are getting longer, but longer is not in and of itself a problem. I think the question that everybody has to ask themselves is whether all of the information that is disclosed, all of the pieces of disclosure that are included, is all of that relevant? I must admit, when you see these new standards coming out, there does feel like there's a big list of disclosure requirements. And even when I'm looking at set financial statements, I get to the financial instruments bit, and it feels like it's a book of itself. So what's the board doing about that? How are they helping? So the ISB has a Principles of Disclosure project. It has already resulted in some amendments to IS1, the presentation standard, And as I just said, the ISB has recently issued a discussion paper on the principles of disclosure. So maybe if we pick up the amendments to IAS 1 first, these were issued a couple of years ago. They became effective on the 1st of January 2016. And I think there are two or three principal focuses of the amendments. Firstly, the ISB has been clear that materiality judgments are applied in the same way to disclosures as they are to other aspects of the financial statements. So it is not necessary to make a disclosure if that disclosure is not material. The ISB has also emphasised that the way in which management aggregates information should take into account all of the relevant circumstances. Uh, And so management can aggregate similar items if that makes sense in the context of the financial statements. And finally, the amendments focused on the structure of the financial statements as a whole and clarified that it is not necessary to follow a set format. So it's not necessary to go primary statements, basis of preparation, accounting policies, critical judgments, footnotes. There are different ways of presenting it that might be relevant. For example, management could decide that the best way to communicate its accounting policies or the best way to communicate its significant judgments is to include that information in the relevant footnote. The amendments also clarify that it's not necessary to disclose an accounting policy for immaterial items. 
So I think this is a step forward in a way that encourages management to think a little bit more carefully about whether or not some of the disclosures are material. That is really interesting because I think when people look at an accounting standard that's got a list of disclosure, you do almost just sit there with a red pen and tick down, oh yeah, I've got that in there, and it, it feels like a tick list. But we're saying that the what the board is doing is saying it's not a tick list and let's think about what's relevant. Absolutely. The board is being clear that materiality is applied in the same way to disclosures as it's applied to everything else. And I think the other thing that the board has begun to do in its newer standards is include a disclosure objective. So the disclosure objective, read in the context of the list of disclosures, should allow folks to look at the list and say, well, in the context of my specific circumstances, this list of potential disclosures and the disclosure objective, I can focus on what's particularly relevant and what's material in my specific circumstances. Brilliant, that's really helpful. And the other thing you mentioned when you were talking about the board activity is the Principles of Disclosure Project. So could you tell us a little bit about the background to that? Yeah. So this is the board trying to take it on to the next step. And so earlier on this year, it issued the Principles of Disclosure discussion paper, which identified what the ISB perceives to be the disclosure problem. Too much irrelevant information, not enough relevant information. And then the board explores a series of potential solutions, areas in which maybe standard setting could be used as a next step to help address that problem. So what does it cover in the paper? So it covers a number of things. It describes the problem. It talks about some principles of effective disclosure. So, for example, making things entity-specific, making sure that there is adequate linkage between the items in the financial statements and so forth. It proposes a way to clarify the primary financial statements and the notes and what each one of those is for. Clarifies where information needs to be included so that it's perhaps not necessary to duplicate something that might be included in the financial statements and outside the financial statements. It talks about alternative performance measures. It talks about the disclosure of accounting policies and takes a step beyond the previous clarification that it's not necessary to disclose immaterial accounting policies and it explores whether it would be helpful to have an overarching principle of disclosure. So it addresses quite a wide range of potential solutions that will maybe help improve the focus of disclosures. There are a couple of things that it probably doesn't do that it might have done. The big thing that it doesn't do is address specifically the significant changes in the way that people consume data. And so a lot of the focus is on financial statements as they appear to people that might turn the pages and read them all the way through. Not many people do that. And so perhaps the thing, the most important thing that the Principles of Disclosure discussion paper doesn't address is the world in which users search for information electronically. Yeah. Maybe one day I could do a podcast just reading the sense of accounts to people. Just if you want an audio version book, I'm, I'm available. Okay, so the other thing they've done at the board is they brought out the definition of materiality, or they've updated it, and they've got a materiality practice statement. When I read, read the materiality practice statement, I did feel in some areas you could actually end up with a bit more disclosure. So that sort of feels like it's going against the overall initiative. Can you explain those two things? Yes, certainly. I don't think that what's going to happen around either the definition of materiality or the materiality practice statement is going to increase the amount of disclosures. I think they're all part of the same initiative. 
So firstly, the materiality practice statement. This will be non-mandatory, and the reason it's, it's non-mandatory is that there are a number of jurisdictions around the world where corporate law or precedent provides a framework for assessing materiality, and the ISB didn't want to contradict that. But in jurisdictions where there is no specific existing guidance, then the practice statement will provide a framework, albeit non-mandatory, for management to assess materiality. So the practice statement will describe the nature of materiality, it will provide a framework and a process for assessing materiality, for example, considering how qualitative and quantitative factors are taken into account, and then provide some thoughts on how materiality will be applied to some specific situations, so for example, disclosures. So I think the objective is to help management focus its materiality judgments, uh, to provide a framework to allow management to make those judgments. So I don't think it will result in additional disclosures. It will simply provide management with a way of assessing the materiality of disclosures. I think the definition of materiality and the what will be a proposed change that's probably going to appear in the near future is just to bring the definition of materiality in line with the way the board is thinking about materiality and the principal change will be to be clear that something can be material or the impact can be material if material information is obscured by immaterial information. So again, I don't think that's likely to increase the amount of disclosures. It might mean that in some cases the less immaterial disclosure is given. Okay. So it seems like a real holistic approach to this issue Mm -hmm. of disclosure overload because that materiality, it almost supports the principles of disclosure and the IS1 amendments as well. So in exciting news in the podcast studio, I'm going to read a quote from Hans Hugenverse because he sums up this issue nicely. So he's the chairman of the ISB and he said, financial statements are meant to be a means of communication and should not be viewed as a mere compliance exercise. Management needs to take a step back and consider whether they are providing the right level of information in the financial statements and whether it's useful. I'm sure he probably said it far more passionately than I just did then, but that sums up, I think, exactly what we've been talking about. So what advice would you give our listeners to decide what is clutter and therefore what can I cut and what is relevant information and where do they even start? So... I guess I'd start with the principle that Hans described, which is that financial statements are about communicating with users rather than a compliance document, which suggests that I should start with users. So what is it that is useful to users? What is relevant to users? I think all of us are very good at providing information we think others would like to hear. I think we do it with some of our own material. We almost write it for ourselves. You just sit writing so, about deferred tax statement all day long. <laughs> so the key with a set of financial statements is to think about, well, what's relevant to users? What's being disclosed and why? And I might go back to the objectives of financial statements, which is to provide information about the assets and liabilities, income and expenses, and cash flows of an entity that is useful to a wide range of users. And start from that perspective and then focus on, well, is this information relevant? Is there uh, some more information that might be disclosed in order to meet the objectives of the standards? Or is there a way of disclosing this information in a more transparent way? But focusing on what's going to provide useful information and relevant information to the users of the financial statements. I must admit, I feel like this is a really hard concept because it's safe to include 
all this additional disclosure. If you're looking at it, it's easy to put more and more in, and especially in a highly regulated environment, you'd have to be really brave, I think, in your industry to be the first person that went out and totally changed your set of accounts. So it's almost like a cultural or change in mindset in financial reporting. How, how can we even go about that? I think everybody has a role to play in it. So I think, firstly, a lot of people seem to acknowledge the issue. Preparers of financial statements, management of companies, auditors, regulators, users have all commented one way or another about disclosure overload, about too much clutter, whatever it is. And I think all of those parties have a role to play in maybe increasing the relevance or increasing the focus of the disclosures. So starting with the ISB, and the ISB I think can provide a framework in which sensible materiality judgments and sensible decisions about what gets disclosed are made. And the next step is management. I think you said earlier that you could look at the list of disclosures in a standard as a, as a checklist. Yeah. And so maybe management doesn't come at it with that mindset. It comes at it with the mindset of what's useful, what's the objective of disclosure, what's material, and decides on what goes in on that basis. And then I think the auditors have to support those judgments. I don't mean necessarily agree with the judgments all the time, but at least not challenge management from a checklist perspective. Well, if we don't insist on this disclosure, the regulator will give us a hard time. And then the regulator, so the securities regulator, again, applies similar thinking, not necessarily always agreeing, but at least agreeing with the principle that disclosures are made when they're relevant and the information is material and not challenging the exclusion of something that is not material. I think users probably have a role to play as well in making it clear what is useful to users. Quite often if you ask a user, well, would you like some more information? The answer would be yes. More is always better. But maybe the question should be what is really important in a particular area? What provides the most valuable information rather than just would you like extra information? So everyone has got their part to play. What I'm taking away from this, Tony, is I'm throwing away my checklist. I'm just going to look at materiality and relevance. Um, Okay, so I think that probably brings us to the end. If you've got any final words of help other than be brave? (laughs) I think what you just said is absolutely right. Yeah. I think it's focus on what is relevant. What are the key items in the financial statement? What are the material items in the financial statements? And what's the objective of the disclosure requirements in a particular standard? And putting all those things together, focusing on transparency and materiality and relevance, and not coming at it with a checklist and making sure that everything listed in the standard is disclosed. Yeah, perfect. That's so helpful, Tony. Thank you again for joining us. This was our podcast on cutting the clutter and how we can start making sure that our financial statements are not just a compliance exercise. If you want more information on what we've been discussing today, please look on our website at pwc.com forward slash IFRS. I've been your host, Ruth Preedy. Happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.